I'm saying underbelly, and, and they're putting it together in a math equation. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. Coming to you from the studios at Arlington Independent Media, I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. This is a show all about curiosity. We talk about research and theory, but mostly it's conversations about how curiosity shows up in work and life. Obviously, I have a bias towards curiosity. This is not a surprise. And I'm always thrilled when people tell me they were thinking about something and hearken back to one of the conversations we've had here. So when my friend Karis Myrick sent me an email with an opening line, something like, skepticism as the underbelly of curiosity, I knew there was a conversation to be had. Karis and I have known each other for a long time. She's a health advocate, a one-time CEO who is otherwise known as the hatter in the cosplay world with bubbles as her weapon of choice, and an original and very critical thinker. There's always something interesting percolating with her. But before I get to Karis and skepticism, I wanted to hang out along I-66 for a moment. I-66 cuts through the north part of the county, a pulsing artery into Washington, D.C. that winds through Arlington neighborhoods before disgorging its vehicular contents at the west end of the National Mall. The path from its 1956 proposal and 1982 completion between Roosevelt Bridge and the Beltway was tortured and a good deal more circuitous than the road itself, involving at least one Supreme Court case and countless lesser court hearings. When I-66 was first opened, heavy trucks were excluded, and at rush hour, it was limited in peak directions to buses, cars with four occupants, now down to two, emergency vehicles, and of course those Dulles-bound vehicles. All of that was at least in part to help keep the noise of an interstate down to a dull roar as it cut through those close-in residential neighborhoods. So how does this connect to Karis and curiosity or skepticism, for that matter? Well, when we're all trying to learn to know something, when we're trying to tell the difference between what we would like to be true and what is actually true, we have to figure out how to cut through the distractions, the inclinations, the misinformation. We have to cut through the noise. Engineers use things like material science and embankments to cut down on the noise. The rest of us rely on curiosity and skepticism. So what is it to be skeptical? And is that different from being curious? Is one of those a more flattering description than the other? Well, why? Would we ever say that skepticism killed the cat? Well, why not? So I'm hoping Karis can help me sort this through. Welcome, Karis. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm getting skeptical, but I'm glad to be here. Oh, no. So why are you skeptical already? Oh, I'm not skeptical. It could be a good thing I'm skeptical, right? Yes, yes. So so you framed this idea. This is like one of my favorite emails this month. You framed this idea for this conversation as embracing skepticism by engaging in exploration and moving toward authentic curiosity. What do you mean by authentic curiosity? Well, this whole thing sort of started from a conversation with another friend. And Mm -hmm. I think this is how things start, right? Is you're just sort of chitty-chatting. And actually, they were uh, 
calling to get some advice from me about a conversation they had had from someone that that I knew and that they thought they knew. (laughs) And they were surprised that this very well-known, renowned researcher seemed to be skeptical about what they were saying. And I said, well, maybe really they're curious. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what researchers are, right? They're supposed to be curious, but are they supposed to be skeptical? It all got me sort of turned upside down. So one of the things I've learned from this friend is when sort of feeling bad about things, how do you stay in the positive? Mm. So I was trying to help them reframe the skepticism in a positive way. So rather than seeing it as something negative, that in fact, it could have been what a researcher is supposed to do, which is to be curious and open and questioning in order to really better understand what the person was saying. Yeah, because it really does, you know, our popular connotation around it is, is if you're skeptical, then you're not trusting your source, right? So it's got this, it's got a judgment thing attached to it, but it doesn't have to. I mean, it's just... You're wanting to know more. You're wanting to get clarified. You're wanting to allow somebody to give to make the case for yeah. what they believe. Yeah, I was thinking like if you did word association with skeptical, you uh-huh. come up with things like um, hoax or you know you come up with sort of negative connotations. But when you think of curiosity, you think of positive connotations, a person who's really digging deeply, but skepticism is more negative, like, oh, I'm doubting that, I don't trust you, which is like, wait, where did that come from? When when in fact, they might just be the same thing. So then I got curious about skepticism. Yeah, yeah. So what did you, where did that take your thought? I mean, what, where did you go next with that? Oh, you know, where I went. <laughs> Google. Um, I don't know if it was Google, but it was the internet. Let's put it that way. So um, yeah, I, I decided, um, let me just look look up the word. Let me look up the etymology of the word. Let uh-huh, me sure. look up sort of how people have understood the word. And it took me all over the place. Um, so it really didn't help clarify it for me at all, <laughs> which I thought it would. So I was like, darn it, that dang internet is not very helpful. And then I had to like be skeptical about, well, what am I reading on the internet? Who is this person? Right, who's, who's writing, writing it? it? <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, it, it, it led to other things around how um, sometimes we can come to, and I'm, when I say we, I'm just talking about humans in general, mm-hmm. um, like snap judgments about things, especially mm-hmm. things where we have uh, – either a very personal connection or we feel like we have a lot of information or we have a particular position. And I started to worry about, well, how do we not do that sort of snap judgment-y thing? Um, and instead, which may be skeptical, that might be the, the skeptic in us, right? right. Um, but also become more curious about things rather than going, oh, that's that. Turn it upside down and say, well, what is that? <laughs> you know, it starts to ask questions. And it's very annoying for people who know me. I ask a lot of questions. I know. I think this is one of the reasons I like you. <laughs> and you tolerate it. Thank you. And you ask me back. So, you know, I, I love our conversations because I don't know that we make statements often, Lynn. I think we do a lot of, I, I make a question and then you question it back to me with kind of a oh, statement-y thing, and then I question it back and go, then finally it's like, I think one of us needs to make a statement about this. <laughs> <laughs> so when you were when you were Googling, did you, because I did the same thing, right? I got to Uh-oh. email, and I'm like, oh, opportunity for research, do, 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 do. Yeah. And I 
found um, – did you find Michael Shermer? Oh, you know, I don't write down people's names. Okay. So so <laughs> he publishes Skeptic Magazine, who knew there was such a thing, and writes um, – he's a monthly columnist also for Scientific America. And he kept kind of popping up over and over and over again. And one of the things that he said that I thought was just great was skepticism is not seek and ye shall find, but seek and keep an open mind. Yeah, I like Which that. I, right? Yes. Isn't that great? Yeah. And I thought, well, how is that different from curiosity? And I realized that as I thought about all of this, some of it had to do with skepticism being this kind of place of rather than simply wanting to know something, a skeptic sort of asks to be persuaded to believe something. I don't know that that actually shows up in the etymology or elsewhere, but but there is there is this function of belief about it and subscribing to a body of information. You're nodding. That makes sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know people can't see me nodding. I'm nodding. <laughs> um, and um, one of the things that maybe skepticism is is the sort of Yes, wanting to get more information to believe, mm-hmm. where curiosity is dispending disbelief, that you're dispending this idea that oh. you could disbelieve in something and you're kind of holding it over there and going, you know what, I'm going to dispend that and get more information about that. Um, huh. So I had sort of my own um, like little list of words for curiosity, mm-hmm. at questioning, opening, dispending disbelief, insatiable, exploration. But it turns out exploration also shows up in skepticism. When right. you look at the etymology of the word, it does show up. Yeah. And I don't know if this was Shermer or somebody else, but somewhere I came across, you know, science is equal to curiosity plus skepticism. Yeah, I read that one. Yes? That's good. So, so that's interesting to me because that, you know, clearly skepticism and curiosity are not the same thing. And that science, real, you know, pursuit of knowledge and, and all, is incomplete without both of them being present. Yes. yes. So... So what did you think when you saw that? I thought it was, I thought, yeah, that's it. That's exactly what I'm feeling. <laughs> it's the underbelly. So I'm saying underbelly, and, and they're putting it together in a math equation. So yeah, um, it's different ways of thinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was really, well, curious. So I did read that article, which took me to the fact that October 13th was uh, Happy Skepticism Day. No, really? Or, or is I it? Can't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so got me. Yeah, right. So uh, actually, I was reading that uh, yes, October thirteenth is Skepticism Day, or it's January thirteenth. So nobody really knows. Uh, so, so a lot of the skeptical. Yeah, it depends on which sources you trust. A lot of the memes said, oh, you know, fun. Happy Skepticism Day, whatever day it was, and then you know, at the end it would say, or is it? Uh-huh. Um, and that is sort of the twist. So, of course, is it happy? Is it skepticism yes. day? I mean, there's Is it the day? There. Is it, is it, is <laughs> is it, it this day or is it that day? Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, fun. Um, and then I was reading, too, about skepticism being actually the word itself coming from more of like a group of people or a society of people who uh, would look into sort of observing things to learn more. So mm. that was actually part of the um, etymology part is if you're a skeptic, it's it's almost like gnosis or whatever, like mm-hmm. Gnostics, things like that. So if you're a skeptic, you're a person who really ascribes to an attitude of 
of doubt initially, but you want to continue to absorb, uh, observe and explore to learn more about a particular thing. Oh, that's right. Does it actually have roots in a religious tradition? I mean, is that the origin of the word? Do you know? No, I didn't see anything religious per se. I mean, was everything religious? Just no, I'm like, just thinking, you know, in, oh, yeah, in, in, yeah. in, in the context of like Gnosticism or, or you know, where, oh, you're, where oh. you're in this sort of questioning. Yeah, no, know, I didn't The received that. word. I'm like, oh, that would be really interesting. But when I read that, then I thought of another word, which is the word stigma. Uh, and um, yeah. how sometimes stigma can carry a negative connotation. Mm -hmm. But then mm -hmm. I think of it as people who desire to have the stigmata of Christ, which is a positive connotation, mm -hmm. meaning that you're, you're so... Uh, if I have it correctly, that um, you are very similar to that um, spiritual being, um, so much so that you've been given the stigmata. You bear this such. mark. Yeah, you bear right. the mark. Yeah. And it's not a bad mark. It's people something people would desire. Uh -huh. There's some things that are, you'll say the word stigma, and it's like, yeah, not wanting that, you know. <laughs> and so I'm trying to figure out, is there a way for us to move the word stigma into something positive and taking sort of the positive aspects of that thing that might be negative. You know what I mean? It's, again, I you know, do. I turn I, things upside down. I, I really well, do. Well, no, but I think that's so interesting. And I think the idea of sort of reclaiming words and reframing words and, you know, we do this all the time in politics, right? Something that was once a positive suddenly becomes, you know, the slam yeah. du jour. Mm -hmm. um, or even with, I think about it in the... Um, in the gay, the queer language and embracing that, mm -hmm, you know, it's mm -hmm. all in that sort of the elasticity of language mm -hmm. and how we decide right. to, the connotations we decide to put around the language. So what else did you discover? So I think from the article that you were talking about, I love the sentence that is, um, science is about and, and it's most difficult uh, to switch from what is known to what is unknown. Mm. And I find that so true that, and again, you know, from this conversation with this uh, friend of mine and thinking about all the different scientists that I know or researchers that I know, they're working from a place of known and then trying to convince people that what they're now doing is unknown and they've got to con con sort of convince them. But in, in the world of, of health, in particular healthcare, the latest thing is you know, evidence-based practice. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at practices that have evidence behind them, isn't that known? How do we get to unknown then if we stay in the known. I get worried about so now I'm into innovation. Oh, now now right. I'm like like just right. shooted past like skepticism, curiosity, what and innovation. I think that might be the next sort of ooh, I fell off the skip the cliff of skepticism plus curiosity and now I'm into innovation. And maybe that's kind of what's right. Happening. There's an interesting I don't know if it's a continuum. Mm -hmm. I mean it's maybe it's it's not linear so much as it's three dimensional. Right. right yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. So the innovation is also a different way of thinking about the problem, right? Yeah. It, it poses the question differently. And in its own way, it's a level of skepticism, right? It's an expression of, I don't actually believe that the current knowledge is sufficient. <laughs> yeah. Or, or let, me, let me see if I can restate it a different way. I, I might say that, Oh, that's really interesting that that's where our current knowledge is. I wonder if we could take it a step further. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, I, I think sometimes when when we talk about certain things, again, because people are very held to what they know, 
it's comfortable. Right. So so sometimes I'm asking people to stretch it a little bit and maybe be a little uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but but doing it in such a way that I hopefully haven't attacked their ideals, their beliefs, their uh, their authenticity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I talk about mm-hmm. authenticity. So I I think this thing about skepticism, maybe I gravitate towards it a little bit because it helps me move towards not really doubting where we are, but wanting to push us further. Like because if if we stay where we are, we're gonna stay where we are, no matter where where that is, whether it's a figurative or a literal or a you know, I'm not talking politics per se. It could be could be anything. I'm just really wanting to push um, past what we know and, and what we do sometimes because if it were all that great, okay, the evidence might be there. Then wouldn't things be way better? Mm. In, in my book, it'd be like, well, okay, I could just like, you know, sleep for seven days because ah, all is right with the world. But it's kind of not. So that's where I want to get. I, I call my, um, when I talk about um, uh, being innovative rather than di- disruptive innovation, I want to get jiggy with it is what I say. I want to get a little jiggy with it and see how far we can push something and again, not without evidence. I think certainly we, you want to see how you can collect the evidence as you're going along. So mm-hmm. they talk about evidence-based practice versus practice-based evidence right. sometimes. Well, and I think it's attributed to Carl Sagan, but I think it, lots of people have said some vi- version of this about um, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Yes. And yes. so that when big claims, you know, transformative claims are real condemning claims, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of big blanket things, rather than just sort of take that as received wisdom because some authority has said it, to really say, no, no, what, you know, show me. And and to keep sort of pushing back about that. So it's interesting because I also see the role of skepticism for advocates. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, one of the things I was thinking about was well, would I think of myself as a skeptic? And I think I'm more on the curiosity side than on the skeptic mm-hmm. side. Mm-hmm. Where where do you put yourself in that? Oh, I'm I'm definitely way more curious, way more curious. But I now see the importance of skepticism. I would have thought previous to this whole thing happening that you're either one or the other. I would have never thought that actually you're both. But maybe you're leaning towards one or the other. But um, there are times when you're probably using both. And I and I do think, as I think about it, that it also might be when things are more or less tangible. So as things become intangible, I can't touch it, I can't see it, I can't feel it. I'm, I'm also wondering which one rises more, your skepticism side or your curiosity side? Mm. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't have an answer to that. I think probably each person is a little bit different. There's probably the intersection, too, of what are my values? What's important to me? Where do I stand on a particular issue? I think all of that can play into which side of you is going to rise um, more than the other or show up more than the other. Is it going to be the skeptic or is it going to be sort of the curious, the curiosity side of the person? And I'm, I'm realizing as we're talking that if you haven't strengthened both sides, then there are situations, life situations, whatever, where you are disadvantaged mm-hmm. with the lack of kind of balanced yeah. strength. Yeah. 
And it might be the other thing I was thinking about, too, again, back to this conversation, was that researchers can be very protective of what it is that they're doing. And again, not protective as in um, uh, the edifice conflicts. I, I own it. I, I grew it. I built it. It's my baby. Okay, yes, that, that may be happening too. But there's also a sense of um, wanting to uh, support the other person while protecting your own stake in the game. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know if that's what was happening, too. It's like, yeah, I'm going to stand over here and be a little skeptical because you might encroach in my little territory over here where I'm the renowned person. Right. So um, maybe that's when the skeptic shows up uh, versus the, the more curious side of a, what a researcher or a scientist would be doing. Right. It's a, it becomes almost a protective yeah. instinct yeah. or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Each in its own time. Yeah. So, Karis, I have, I do have one last question, though. The Hatter, Bubbles, cosplay. Tell me more. Yeah. So, again, this is on the curiosity continuum. Uh huh. Somebody invited me to like a Comic Con thing, and I had no clue what that was, other than seeing pictures of people dressing up and looking pretty silly. So I didn't quite understand it. So I got really curious. And I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go check this thing out. And I went and it looked so amazingly fun. So I said, well, this is just like Halloween. You know, I'm going to attach it to something that I know where you dress up and you have have some fun. But I decided to dig a little bit deeper to find a character that was a little bit like me, but not like me, mm-hmm. that I could uh, have some some fun with, that I could come out of my shell. I'm a really naturally shy person. So being able to put on a costume really brought out, I don't know who that person is, the Hatter. <laughs> but it's a person who can walk up and talk to people. It's a person oh, who can nice. um, hang out with people. And the bubbles is only because one of the things people will dress up like a comic you know, comic strip characters or comic book characters, graphic novel characters, and superheroes, things like that. And many of them carry weapons that hurt people. And I just decided there's a DC comic uh, character in, in Batman who's uh, the Hatter. And I just decided, you know, I don't, I don't want to hurt people, so why don't I have bubbles that can come out of my hat? Um, and, you know, and it's a, a wand of bubbles that I blow. They can spread happiness or they can um, spread curiosity because people will come up and ask me about the costume, things like that. So it's really been fun to be very curious about what does this world mean and how does it help um, other people who are shy or different come together in a way where there's no judgment and where they feel really accepted. It's really fun. Karis, we're out of time. I can't stand it. How did that happen? I know, right? <laughs> but there is always time for my big jar of wannabe analogies. So are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. So reach in, take a slip of paper, and you're going to make an analogy to curiosity with whatever is on that slip. I'm going to take one for myself, and I'm going to take one for the audience. Are you going to model it so I get? I understand. You want me to, what, you want me to go first? Yes, I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> so um, <laughs> mine is playing jacks. So how is curiosity like playing jacks? Um, curiosity is like playing jacks because um, you sort of. Sometimes you throw one thing in the air while you're kind of grabbing at other things, and then you're trying to get all of those things into your hand. 
so that you can keep playing. That's how curiosity is like Jack's. What do you have? Well, this is hilarious. <laughs> I, have, I have rocking chair. I mean, could this be any more perfect for this conversation? I have no idea. Oh, goodness. So how is curiosity like a rocking chair? Because you could rock back and forth from skepticism and curiosity. Get it? I do. Okay. Yes, that's what I would say, that you can rock back and forth. And um, rocking chairs generally feel pretty comfortable. Oh, yeah. And going back back and forth forth is comfortable. Is is comforting. And um, yeah, so that's what what it's like. Nice. Nice. Okay. So we have we have kind of a game thing going here. Audience, yours is hopscotch. How is curiosity like hopscotch? So thank you, Karis. Thank you. This was really fun. It was. Thank you. You've been listening to WERA 96.7 FM. If you joined us late or want to catch up on this or any of the other great programs here on Radio Arlington, check us out online, streaming live and on demand at WERA.FM. If you want to know about more about Michael Shermer and other skeptics, check out my Facebook page at Choose to Be Curious and follow me on Twitter at Choose number two letter B Curious. You can catch all my previous shows on Facebook, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and now iTunes, all at Choose to Be Curious. And don't forget to send us your hopscotch analogy, hashtag analogy. If you've got an idea about a conversation, a curiosity conversation that we should have on Choose to be Curious, drop me a line. You can do it on Facebook, on Twitter, or send me an email at choosetobecurious at gmail.com. And I hope you'll join us next time. And until then, choose to be curious. Funding for Choose to be Curious on WERA 96.7 FM is provided in part by the Center for Parents and Teens, where families are strengthened through a connection built through positive communication, mutual understanding, and realistic expectations of one another. For more information, visit www.centerforparentsandteens.com.